Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is Talks and Tastings Studios. Sometimes I say it too quickly. This is the Clerical Errors Podcast, a podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Vicker. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Peter is here on location. I'm in studio. Amazing. Have we been taking care of your precious studio, Peter? Uh, it's a little worse for wear. Uh, every time I'm here, I tend to clean it up again. Yeah. So There's a few papers on the floor. <laughs> a few, uh-huh. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, good thing we, we could just move over to the other wing of the studio. Sure. Because, <laughs> you know, we've got, it's a very, va- it's a vast studio, so we could just kind of right. move to the different booth and right. it works out just fine. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of tours lately. I think we had one on uh, Thursday, but you know, we just uh, whether you don't have as many tours, you don't why clean it. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But hey, I'm in the studio, so I can give you a high five. Hey, all right. Hey. <laughs> and you got a, a nice cold sprite. Yes, I got the the mini can of sprite. Everybody mm. knows uh, it's my theory. Uh, tastes better in the small can. Ugh. Your theory? Yeah, it's my theory. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty much a consensus. Only weirdos think otherwise. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh. Right. No, 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 no economy of scale with a tiny can like that. I can't do it. <laughs> well, let me open mine. I already opened mine. I was thirsty. I've got one of the uh, old, old Coca-Cola Starlight. Oh, yeah. Is that still good? Was that like tropical flavor or something? Yeah, like a mango. That's yeah, all right. Space flavor. It's supposed to take like taste like uh, marshmallow, I think. Yeah, I can taste that. A little marshmallow. Hmm. Cosmic Marshmallow Mango. There you go. <laughs> There's the title of our show. Right. See, so this past weekend was Bullhagen's birthday. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I guess it, well, a week ago now as we record, as the listener hears this, but right. for us it was two days ago because we were recording on Memorial Day. Yeah. And uh, what did we do that was special on your birthday, Bullhagen? We got some sweet earbuds. We did. We did. Where did we get them? We got them at Costco. That's right. That's... I asked Bullhagen what he wanted to do for his birthday, and he said, I want to go to Costco. <laughs> that sounds like something an old guy would say. Ah, uh, well, you know. <laughs> so we went to Costco, and of course, we're I, walking... had to, I didn't even have anything to get either. Was... No, no. I think you said yeah, you needed real... taco seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, Vicar, uh, explain the efficiencies of going to... Uh, Ankeny, Iowa, from here to get some taco seasoning. <laughs> well, the product was probably about 68 cents, even locally. Uh, and no, so, no, no, no. It's a big. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Costco, so it's like the big container. Oh, you didn't buy a 68-cent envelope of it. You bought no, five or no, 20 come pounds. No, not a weirdo. <laughs> it's Costco, man. That's true. So you have a lifetime supply of taco seasoning now. Wow. Just... It lasts a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, okay. It goes in my uh, my late-night uh, meal, my fourth meal. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, that is a good place to get it, other than maybe the you know cost of fuel to go. And to it's gluten-free, this one. Oh, well. See? Yeah. We were we were walking around in Costco in awe of the um, many alcohols that they have. Oh yeah, I I haven't seen such a. He said, "Would you say it's a super Costco or something? Is there something hmm. special about it?" Yeah, it, it's got an extra like two hundred square feet of paper products. That's what I've noticed. Oh okay, <laughs> but they had in case there's like a pandemic. <laughs> I haven't bought much Kirkland like uh, branded stuff. Oh yeah, but I've heard good things about their liquor, and uh, so I got myself some spiced rum. 
Yeah. Uh, but the only size bottle they had was almost two liters. <laughs> that's terrible. It's like 1.75 <laughs> liters of yeah, space. Yeah. Guess how much that cost? Uh, $60? 17 what? $17. $17. You're kidding. Nearly two liters so how, does that just, did we just blow your efficiency that, mind? That's great. Let's go to Costco right after this. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> and apparently Peter has a, said that their, their vodka is good because what, what? Yeah. So, uh, from what I've, I've heard, um, Kirkland either bought a factory or hmm. just the, the distillation equipment from Grey Goose to make their oh, okay. vodka. Nice. So their vodka is basically Grey Goose, but it's like way cheaper. Oh yeah, now you're talking my language. <laughs> and as a as an executive member of Costco, yeah. Mm. See, it was it was really you know we were walking in and he said he said you know hey by the way I've got the executive membership so if anybody like tries to make a big deal about it I'll I'll shut him down it's fine you know we're it's kind of a big deal and yeah. then we walked in and. You showed your card to the person in the front, and she couldn't even make eye contact. No. She was scared of you. Right. <laughs> Did they roll out the red carpet then? Well, like I, I kept. I asked the, where the executive lounge was yeah. for being an executive member, and they kind of they just kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it, well, must, it must be getting, like, serviced or right, something. Right, or right. they've just never heard of it in their lowly status. That could be. That could be. It's kind of like a, like a speakeasy type thing at Costco. Yeah, it's probably, like, hidden in the refrigeration section. <laughs> you have to, like, go right. through. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You have to say the special... Which maybe it's supposed to be an email as an executive member of how to actually get into the executive lounge. Yeah. To be oh, as an executive member. Yeah, you member. have to get like referred. Right. <laughs> right. I've heard they have good hot dogs over at the executive side. Dude. <laughs> Pizza. How much do they cost? Uh, well, you spend, you spend the executive. They're, they're a high, higher quality oh, dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> My so. goodness. Vicar, you ever been to Costco? <laughs> I I have. That is a Are you probably never never been had the experience of being an executive member. No, I wasn't an executive member. I it's it's kind of an interesting story. So, uh, but that's what we're it, going for. Kind well, of interesting. Could, yeah, let's go. Kind of. It has a grim beginning. My mother passed away suddenly in 2019. Great story. Woo! Moving so on. So far, so good. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and my pastor friend called me and said, "You know, I hate to be telling you this kind of practical thing at a moment like this, but you need to know it sooner. It will do you no good." Costco sells caskets for far cheaper than you can get them at a funeral home. And that turned out to be true. What was several thousand dollars at the funeral home was $700 at Costco. And then uh, the funeral home matched the price rather than let me get the one from Costco. So my membership for $100 saved me like $3,000. So that's my Costco story. Oh, wow. (laughs) That sounds like a better deal than the liquor. It, it is, but to be honest, as my membership was expiring after I'd moved to Fort Wayne, I ran to Costco and bought a bunch of liquor on like the last day. <laughs> <laughs> so it has that part of the story too. Oh, did you carry home in a, in a cas- casket? Because the caskets were so cheap. I just bought a spare one. <laughs> Isn't that like a thing they like, don't give you bags or something? So you could just like. Mm, yeah. So there you go. So is it like at the Costco? I've never seen a, a casket No, there. you. it's a Google search. You know, if you look up Costco caskets. Oh, like a special you, order. Right. And the in at least in the state of Oregon, the funeral homes are required by law to accept a casket from anywhere. They can't force you to use their own. But they, the risk of it not showing up in time and all that, the, the guy just offered to just match the price, which, like I said, knocked several thousand dollars off of the price. And, you know, so 
I yeah. just goes to show how much of a ripoff than the yeah. standard caskets yes, are. Yes, it does. It really does. Oh, we'll just give it to you for 700 Well, bucks, you know, uh, right. he, exactly. No, he, he, I would say this, though. Speaking for the funeral industry, I mean, they do a lot of services, not just provide the casket. That's where they probably make most of their money. Man, if you're do their... venue rental as well, if you're not going to a church. Right, right. But I will speak up and say they make, if it's a good funeral home, they make my life a lot easier. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if they make my life ten grand easier, <laughs> but right, but uh, yeah, I've worked with good ones and bad ones, and uh, yeah. it makes a big difference in the whole process. So I will say that. Right. Well, I would say the rest of that. Uh, that was the first time, and so far, only time I'd arranged a funeral, and it was. Besides that, the rest of it was fine. You know, they did a good job for everything else. So even though I bring up first the example of how much money I saved on a casket, I mean, the rest of the experience with them was all right. You know, I've gotten into this DIY speaker thing. Maybe I can do a DIY casket. There you go. Just a do it, uh, a do yourself it. <laughs> DIY. Yeah, that's. I know what he meant though. <laughs> do yourself in. Ooh. Because <laughs> my the speakers I Ooh. rebuilt, Peter. How do they sound? Are you gonna truck past that? What? <laughs> what did I do? You didn't hear him. <laughs> DIY. Do yourself in. That's what you do have a casket for, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I buried the lead. I might have to cut uh, oh, that one out. Oof. <laughs> That's not oof. the kind I meant. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? Do you remember? You don't. I don't either. Uh, Boy, you could tell we're, we're heavy on material today. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Vicar. Yes. Last time we laughed at your NBA predictions. Oh, oh yeah, because you yeah. said Celtics and six. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, they were down o three. They were, and I figured they'd have to win the next. No, because they've done this one hundred and fifty one times, and no one in one hundred and fifty one times have gone gone down o three and came back to win. However, as this, we record this tonight, yeah, the Celtics have won three in a row. Oh, really? And so tonight they play game game seven. seven. So. They might do it. Are you going to watch a little NBA basketball tonight? That is pretty unlikely, I would say. Just pretty unlikely. <laughs> I, I think I might be on the road, so I don't know. Get the ESPN radio app. Well, there you go. Listen yeah. listen to it. Hmm. A lot of ads, but you'll get the game. I feel like basketball is one of the hardest sports to enjoy on the radio. Hmm. I don't know. I enjoy it. Remember, we were listening to the last game on the radio, and then we got home. You remember what I said? Uh, you said the they were playing the other way in your head. Right, right. In my, <laughs> I mean, like east-west, backwards in your head? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. In my head, I was listening to it. Uh, I, I imagine the Heat playing on the one side end okay. of the court. Right. And then I get home, I like, and I thought, wait, is it halftime? Has it been halftime already? Because they're playing the other direction. And you, I think you mentioned like, oh, they said it was going this way or whatever, and I was yeah, like, I thought they had said because a lot of times actually they do this, Vicar. Okay, because they understand like our podcast that this is a theater of the mind, right? Which is why most people are dreadfully disappointed when they see our our theater. <laughs> yeah, our little secret. Don't tell anybody, listener. All right, so, so a lot of times the announcers will say something like, "All right, the Heat are shooting at uh, on your radio dial. They're going from left to right." Oh, they they actually or they'll do that at a football that. game where they'll so like if you imagine your radio dial being the football field, you can kind of imagine what direction they're going. What they're trying to do is help you 
to be able to visualize no, it makes sense. the game. But it makes me think, like, how would I know which side the camera was on? If I guess, like, now it's hurting my brain because if I'm watching a football game, I guess. So the solution is that it's not from the camera, right? It's from the whoever's commentating. Because okay. the guy who's yes, well, listening to the radio sense. doesn't care what's on TV. Okay. So, so what happened with Bullhagen was he heard oh. left to right or something. And they may not have said it. I just may have imprinted well, that. Well, okay. There's a few. Got there's it. a few scenarios, right? The most likely is that he got confused between his left and right. That happens pretty often. <laughs> Their right or left or mine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stage left. That's happened a couple mine. times this weekend. Let alone, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, the second most likely option is the radio guys are on the other side of the court from the right. cameras. Right. That's where my. That's where I started to hesitate. Is wondering like, what's the. What you just said. There's no other better way to articulate it. Right. The cameras versus the commentator box. Right. Yep. Interesting. Because it's all relative. <laughs> because they're just doing it so that, because it doesn't matter, because you could be on one side or the other or the other side of the court watching it. Right. But in your own mind, then right. it places a context. Oh, they're going that way. I can visualize it. I think that's why I'd rather hear east and west. <laughs> so do you guys want to, do you guys want to record like, I told you so's for either the Celtics winning or the Heat winning, and we can air whichever one is. All right. All right. Vicar. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I want you to start bragging like like you, ah, you, you guys all you laughed at me, right? right? Yes, that's right. So you guys said it couldn't be done, that the Celtics could not take it in seven games. Did I say six, though? Come to think I of think it? I think you did yeah, say six. I said six. So usually, okay. But, but usually money line, it's, just, it's up or down. You know, you could still might right, be able to that's get right. money. So I named the wrong number of games. Uh, I numbered it wrong. It didn't. They didn't get it done in six. They did get it done in seven. And they came back from a record 0-3 to take it by winning four games in a row. And you guys owe me big time for getting that correct. Wow. Right. Yeah, I like your confidence. So what did you base your decision on? Uh, I had heard of the Celtics before. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and well, this is why this is why I didn't I didn't trust. The, I'm going to use your logic here. Okay. Uh, why you didn't trust the Celtics uh, versus the Heat? Because first of all, the Celtic people are not known for their skin that tans very easily. That's true. You know, you know, Pe- Peter people Peter has been said that he might be a little Celtic, even though he I don't think he is because of his red hair, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, so Peter, for example, he is not a a Celtic or Celtic, right? Right. But he looks like one. He does. Right. And how do you think if he went up against the Heat, who would win? Mm, That's true. When you put it that way, right? uh, It would definitely go to the Heat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Celtics people are not necessarily built for Heat. They're built for (laughs) maximum vitamin D. Yeah. uh, And uh, warmth. And alcohol resistance. <laughs> so what you, you you said they're built for warmth to keep yeah they're in, in a cold keep warm yeah. oh okay they're built for heat <laughs> there you go from left to right yeah okay all right hey we should talk about what we're preaching on I don't know man I think it's fun to derail you guys especially when I'm in person yeah, <laughs> that's true it didn't take much you know if we keep this up when when it says uh, uh describes our our uh, podcast as a religious podcast it'll be. <laughs> It'll be a... They'll have to take that off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Snopes will rate it as like mostly false. I think think every episode is labeled as being Pastor Bulligan and Pastor Berg as well, so... Well... Well, He'll be... be, Yeah. Mm. I think Berg will be a little less intermittent soon. Yay. So... 
Well, we keep saying that, but it keeps not right. happening. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Where was Call I? Call it now. Next, next week, uh, Berg will be back for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Can't wait to see you, Berg. Doesn't matter that it was zero for three so far. <laughs> do, you, do you guys want to record the heat winning part? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm done derailing. You can talk. All right. <laughs> All right, so Vicar, what am I preaching? But by the way, isn't it one of our podcasts on some one of the platforms uh, labeled as a comedy? I think oh. so. I think one of them, one of them, like set it up as comedy. Yeah, huh. that's the. I think it might be iTunes or Spotify. One yeah, of I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, they use apparently they did that after my comedy <clears throat> special. <laughs> not for the uh, Chris Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> What am I preaching on? Trinity Sunday. All right, moving on. And the gospel reading for Trinity Sunday is in John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All right, uh, so interesting to note. Let's go! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Uh, it went by pretty quick. Let's go, let's go! <laughs> is that some, like, compressed recording of myself from last time by any chance? It's not even compressed. Let's go, let's go! No, 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 I, I don't sound like that. You sound like that. <laughs> Okay, to be fair, I was trying to sound like the, the little girl. I was, I was <laughs> And I think I accomplished it. That was raw. 
Oh, man. So, listeners, this is, we're going to have, I just had the great idea, uh, we're going to have a con- uh, contest. Who can do the best Let's Go? <laughs> send your audio cl- clip to... Okay, by email, you can send it to feedback at clericalerrors.org. That's probably your best bet, actually. But we can also be reached on Facebook by looking up Clerical Errors Podcast. And our Twitter handle is at Clerical Errors P. P for podcast, bro. That's the one. We have an e- a Patreon <laughs> and a store, which is store.clericalerrors.org. So you're making so much work right now. Well, if, I'm, if I'm not the producer. Actually, if this actually happened, you're making. Yeah, I know you're not. I'm aware you're not. <laughs> it's not work for you that you're right. making. Just yeah. think if I if I can use this contest to get a digital pad of like twelve different let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Send it to our PO box. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yes. Uh, so, uh, record it on a on tape and send the tape <laughs> to. Oh my goodness. So yes. Uh, if you want to bother Peter and make me happy, uh, please uh, enter our contest of the great Let's Go. Wow. You know what? <laughs> I think I might have better goodwill than you do. You might have what? I think I might have more goodwill than you do. I think you saying if you want to mess with Peter and make me happy. Well, I'm going to say if you want to mess with Bullhagen and make me happy, send an email saying... I just want you to know that I didn't send a let's go. Uh, oh. I'm making this divisive. There you go. Oh. It is sort of a contest. A great the, schism. A great <laughs> schism. Yeah. The epitome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a substitute teacher that taught me to pronounce that Hey, word. let's talk about the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Peter, you are the ultimate distractor. I can't imagine what you, started what, you have, what you did to Vickers when you were in confirmation. <laughs> I did a lot. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So, uh, by the way, I will have a top 12 list on this. On this, <laughs> this passage, passage that yep. we just read? Okay, good. No, it's not a top 12. It's a what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. Oh, okay. I don't know if you... I'm sure I've done one of those I've with you. I've been here for at least one of those, yeah. All right. On, on what it means to be reborn or rebirth or yeah. born again. Are you going to touch on the... Born from above versus born again. Oh, your Pentecostals ways confuse me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I don't think the Pentecostals knew that there was two meanings to the underlying Greek text there. Like, I certainly didn't know that as a Pentecostal. Well, explain it. Explain it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the word that gets translated into English, the born again, uh, in the Greek, there's, I don't remember the word, unfortunately. Do you remember what the Greek word is there? Okay. But the word that gets translated again can also be translated from above. And that's quite likely intentional that both meanings are in play, to be born again and be born from above. Okay. But that, yes, I'll touch about born, born spiritual. Okay. Not from natural man. Right. I mean, from natural man, but born again by the spirit right so we'll talk about what that means in just a minute so this is uh vicar this is red for trinity sunday why would they pick this for trinity sunday hmm that's a good question i suppose it's because jesus is certainly referring to him as the son that came from heaven Hmm. and it emphasizes his two natures because he is both in heaven and in, by his divine nature, and he's on earth in his humanity. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that. that the, you, you have here the whole working of the Trinity for salvation. Yes, because of the Spirit. The Spirit. And the Father. Born again. Born again by water and the Word. 
right? The Father loving the world and offering his own Son, the Son right. himself being lifted up. Here you, you have the whole working of the Trinity uh, for salvation. Perfect. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Did you want me to play it again? Yes. Oh, it drives me nuts. I don't have the button. I was going to get the button, and you're like, no, no, no. Let's no, I did not say that. Oh. You were like, you were just like, oh, I can't get it to work. I and couldn't get it to figure out. It wanted to play it on. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> hey, can oh you? Say, I'm going to, by the way, I am going to make that in my text message. Oh, you're going to make that your text message? Yeah, when I get a text. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's also the day we're going to do the Athanasian Creed. Right. Which is fun. It's lengthy, and so we get to do it just once a year, typically. Right. But, uh, Athanasius is sort of a hero, though. I mean, what an interesting fellow. Do you remember who he is? Yes. He clarified doctrines of the Trinity. Yes, he did. But he really worked on the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. And then later, when the Athanasian Creed was written, they named it after him. Although the Athanasian Creed wasn't necessarily written by Athanasian, no, as they don't they We don't once think it thought. was, actually. But, uh, yes. but it's, it is nevertheless named after this hero of the faith that clarified... For, for all of us right. in the church, the, the nature of God. And, and, you know, he was exiled like four times for sticking to the truth. Wow. Four times, separate times he was exiled and then and then brought back in because of... It almost became the euthanasian creed. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> DYI. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, do you want to get into your list or your uh, uh, Are you done? I, I, to be honest, we are recording this, and uh, I have obviously on Monday done, haven't done a lot of thinking about my sermon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vicar and I are on our way to do a little funeral planning here. Right. Uh, so, and uh, shout out to the family. Some of them are listeners. Oh. oh. So. Well, God bless them. <laughs> shout out. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Peter, cut that out. <laughs> And to know we're not going to do it, uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> Whoever's listening will find that funny. Anyways. All right. So moving on. So by top, by uh, what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be on uh, being reborn or born again. And uh, I tread lightly here because I, I am speaking in Vicar's wheelhouse. Hmm. Right? Because when were you saved? <laughs> Well, multiple times, of course. Every time I gave my heart to Jesus as a child, at least three times. Roughly 2,000 years ago. Oh, yeah, that's the right answer, though. That's why I've been baptized at least three or four times. <laughs> what song is that from? I don't know, man. All right. One of our visitors here that we talked about the studio tour from last Thursday, um, she was baptized multiple times and was raised Baptist before uh, converting to Lutheranism. So... I think that was a, an interesting thing because the Baptists who are named after the sacrament of being baptized assign it so little value that they will baptize you multiple times so you can rededicate your life. And so I just think that's I thought they, they just thought because John was a Baptist that they were like John. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was a statement of his denomination. Right. <laughs> that's pretty good. John the Southern Baptist. <laughs> John the Southern Baptist. Oh, yeah. He was in the southern kingdom, you know, down by <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> is that the kingdom of the right or the kingdom of your left? I'll read your dial. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Stage right. I don't know. Boy, this is a great episode. Hey. <laughs> All right. So uh, first off, uh, uh, Peter, 
Play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Uh, what, what, I'll let you pick between what do you want to know, the positive or the negative, how you feel. Which one do you want to hit first? You have the what it is or what it ain't? Hmm. Usually we go in order of is, ain't, could be. That's what I think. And I'm a very orderly guy. So we'll do uh, radio dial right. <laughs> Which one does that make it? I don't know. <laughs> Physical comedy. <laughs> <laughs> For a radio show. <laughs> All right. So we'll do what it is. Great. I, I know what, though? I think for something like this, I think it's it's better to, uh, to state the negative, what it isn't. Okay. All right. What it ain't. The, the idea of being born again and the concept as given in the scripture by Jesus in this text was not meant to rile up fear. What do I mean by that? I think a lot of times the are you born again question Hmm. elicits fear because if they're preaching some sort of a born again event that they can recall, then it is meant to question whether you're saved or not based on something that you have no Hmm. control over in their minds. And I do believe, you could tell me if I'm wrong because... I haven't been in this world as a member of it, but I do think it is often meant to cause fear in the hearts of many to try and get them to conform to a certain pattern or certain way. Right. Well, there's this phenomenon where you can ask Christians, you know, are you a Christian? And you might get a yes answer. And then you ask the same person, are you born again? And they might say, well, no, I'm not one of those kind of Christians. You can also see how it kind of... It's been redefined to be like, are you a fundamentalist? That's kind of how. Right. But but I think also you're pointing to like how the evangelicals like to talk about their conversion experience. And maybe that's when they would talk about, oh, I was born again on when I had this great feeling and I and I was heartbroken and came to Jesus after being a drug dealer or whatever. And, you know, so there's some of that going on, too, with that phrase in our popular religious right. lingo. So. So when when Jesus talks about it here, is he, I don't think he's to Nicodemus. He's not. Stating a, in a way of, of causing fear. He's just explaining the, right. the spiritual life that we are given through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. Another, what it ain't. It doesn't mean that that uh, you will be immediately filled with great peace or overwhelmed with great joy hmm. at this idea of being born again. Like, uh, all of a sudden you're zapped and whoa right. i've been born again mm-hmm. i'm happy yep. everything's great everything's grand a permanent optimist right right and what made me think about this is think of the gospels think of how many times the 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 gospels talk about jesus being filled with joy mm. not too much right right yeah Right. Uh, there's an idea that, uh, for example, if you're a true Christian, you'll always be happy. Oh, right. Yep. Right. That, it's not the case. It is not the case. And if you hold yourself to that standard, you will get very frustrated and disappointed right. and wonder what's going on. Right. And 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 wh- who in the Bible would you just find as happy anyways? You find people who are re- find their lives rewarding or with hope. Right. Uh, I think of... Uh, probably that one of the happiest moments I think you could point to would be uh, Mary yeah. and Elizabeth. John the Baptist as a baby. Mm-hmm. Where they're, they're happy. You know, when, you, when Mary sings the Magnificat, for example, 
It's a very <laughs> joyful, happy tune. Uh, meanwhile, in it, you know, as she sings it, we know the rest of the story that her life wouldn't necessarily be a happy, joy-filled life. Right. But it was the joy of being a servant. Yeah. And, and filled. So. So another thing that this being born again is, isn't what it ain't. I always get that wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I can see more immediately the, the disapproving looks of the producer when I get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is not a feeling of being saved. Because uh, when, when people in some traditions say, when were you saved? Right. It's when did you have this feeling of the Holy Spirit that proves right. that you are saved? Yeah. Because I would say this, how many people actually feel that they're saved? I think a lot more than that are actually saved, right? Well, it's an interesting question because, okay, I'm wrestling with it in my mind. If Since we here are saved, we whatever we feel like would count as feeling saved. I mean, in one way, that's one way of looking at it. It's like, right. But we kind of live and breathe being a saved and redeemed person because of the work that Jesus did. So if we're trying to isolate that, well, we might, we, you can't really expect to be able to isolate that and say, this is the part of me that feels saved because we are just are saved. I think it's, it's very, I don't think it's hard to know that you're saved. Right. But not feel like you're saved. Right. But it means we're defining feeling saved in some way that probably has to do with euphoria and nobody walks around euphoric like for very long, right? That's always, right. Quite, that's a passing. And, and my, my point I want to make is, is uh, you could feel saved even mm-hmm. as you okay, are right. in the false sense of security. Yes. And then that's one of the, the big issues that I, I would have with this whole being born again emphasis on it being some sort of emotion or a feeling or instance where you can say, well, I was sad, now I'm happy. And uh, I have this overwhelming feeling of being saved, well, salvation is not based on how you feel about it. It's based on the word of God. That's right. Um, and uh, uh, when you say when a church condemns sin, uh, um, very rarely does the, that person ever say, "Well, um, oh yeah, I feel." condemned they're just like well i have my reasons why i think this is okay right the problem is they do not doubt or they they doubt the words of condemnation right and they feel saved even though they are lost yeah does that make sense yeah it does i mean you think about the the asbury revival um i think that that recent event was uh very very uh, big on feelings and and staying in this like kind of religious experience in the church and the students at that you know, that school were dragging their sleeping bags to church and staying there and you know listening to worship music or whatever for this week you know a solid week and and it was very big on feelings and very little on salvific messages right right so for it is not something that you can actually do anyways you must be born yeah. again wasn't a command. Oh, okay. Because Nicodemus said, oh, how do I go and do this? Right. And what does Jesus talk about? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, we didn't control getting born the first time either. Right. <laughs> right. And so uh, we would say being born again has to do with the work of the 
Holy Spirit. Absolutely. That uh, by which we are reborn by water and the word spirit, which the spirit works through the through the word, through the word. That's how I mean it. Yes. Yes. Uh, The fancy word we use for this is monergism. Oh, right. Right. Meaning kind of means like one sided, but right. And that one sided being God. Right. Right. Um, That being said, uh, that being said, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, we just sit here, and this is my kind of my last comment on what it ain't. Okay. That we that doesn't mean I think sometimes we Lutherans can think of it this way, uh, that we're just kind of sit on our, our hands, sit on our, and fold our sit down and fold our hands, and uh, just kind of wait to be born again. <laughs> right. That no, you can't do it. However, the Holy Spirit does it, and He works through the Word. So what did Jesus do? He commanded his disciples to go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And? Teaching them to keep all that I have commanded you. That's right. Teaching the doctrine. So so that is kind of what it ain't, I would say. What am I missing? You lived in that world a little bit more. (laughs) It's not something that every time you sin, you've discarded it. You haven't thrown away being born again because you struggle with sin by defin almost by definition, might be not quite the right way to say it, but we struggle with sin every day, drowning the old man daily. Uh, and that doesn't mean that somehow we're no longer born again. I mean, sin is the great problem of being alive in a fallen world. I mean, that is mm-hmm. the problem. And to think that like, okay, I haven't committed sin for a while. So for this period of time, I've been born again and oh, now I've committed a doozy. So now I'm not born again. You know, and um, that's a very, I mean, then for one, you'd just be wrong that you were ever born again. Cause I think that we sin unconsciously pretty much all right. the time. I, I like, I like how uh, Romans six describes this in, in this way, because as we have equated uh, re being reborn with baptism, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 6 talks about being buried and risen with Christ, not so that we keep on sinning. Right. And, and the way that would describe then this, and we can put this into what it is. What it is. It is a, it is a continual process, meaning right. uh, each day we are buried and risen with him. Each day we're born again. Each day, each day uh, uh, our sins are forgiven. Every Sunday... Uh, we are born again by uh, the Lord's Supper feeding us and reviving us and forgiving us our sins. Uh, I think sometimes when you talk about being born again, on the one hand, you'd say, well, it's not something that you lose, but I would say it's something that you continue. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, uh, Because a lot of times in the born again crowd, the reason why we talk about someone being baptized again was, well, I was born again and then I lost it and then I was born again and I lost it. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of times, those you know, a big tent thing will say, "Oh, we saved this amount of many people, right?" Because uh, they decided to give their lives to Jesus, and then they go back, and everything's the same. Yeah, I've certainly seen that. Um, so, so I would I would more classify it more as as the continual process. It's a continual work in us. The baptism waters your baptism continually ref- flow. And they continually reform us, and they continually forgive our sins, and they continually uh, force us to look at God's law uh, as a mirror. Right. Uh, and so, from that aspect, um, it is it is a continual thing. That's a good way of looking at it. 
what it is to be born again is necessary. Yeah. How do we know that, Vicar? You must be born again. Right. Jesus said it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then uh, we also, as Lutherans, equate this being born again with baptism. Why would we equate it with baptism? Because we have to be born of the Spirit and of water. Because Jesus said it, right? Yeah, because he said so. That's what he said. Right. So so we would now, the, the, the crowd that really emphasizes the some aspects of born again, they will say that there's two baptisms, right? Oh, yeah. Right. But, but I, I will say we obviously, because it's not necessarily a feeling or emotion, but based on God's word and what he does, certainly an infant is born again by water and yep. the spirit. It is the spirit that creates faith anyway. And so since we know that, it, then uh, there's not a particular age that we have to grow up to be in order for the Holy Spirit to do what he's going to do. Right. It's not dependent on how old we are. Right, right. Another thing when we talk about what it means to be born again is this. It's just like we talked about it being a continual thing just now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, we might say, well, this has nothing to do with our works, which is true, okay? At the same time, you know, you don't, to do to be born again, do this, this, and this, and you'll be born again. No, it's no. all God's work. But that being said, if we are born again, born again by the Spirit— Mm-hmm. That means you can do spirit things now. Right. You've been set free from being a slave right. to sin. You can do spirit things now. Right. So so being born again then also means uh, a continual changing of your own will. Right. Of seeing things more in terms of what the scriptures say, not by anything else. And it means that the Holy Spirit who works sanctification does it in a few ways. One, uh, by the initial being born again and conversion, bringing us to faith. Right. But then the continual calling, gathering, enlightening, sanctifying us uh, uh, through his word so that we do do things differently. Now, it's an order thing, right? What comes first? Right. The fact that we are born again by water and the spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit who works through that word, but that then that changes our will. It does. And that's why I say it's a continual thing because that also is a continual thing. Right. Just like we've emphasized about being a good listener, right? Allowing, having open ears to hear the word of God right. and to continually be reformed by that word uh, and live a life of repentance and desiring to change. And, uh, and, and uh, that is what changes, not for the sake of salvation, not for the sake of being born again, right. but because if, if you are born again by the Spirit— and in that spirit, you, you trust in the salvation you have in Jesus Christ, and you trust that he died for sin, and sin thereby is wrong and not God's plan for you. It's going to change how you view sin and uh, your desire to do them or not do them. Yeah. You know, based on being born again. But it's not one of those where you just, it happens once. Yeah. And you forget about it. Now, that's exactly the the way... I was taught for a period of time in my life was that, um, you know, the, the, from eternity past, I was elect and okay. So that, that's true actually. But, but, uh, but it became like salvation was sort of this, uh, state of being or psychological condition and, uh, not, a, not my life. It was just something that just was true. 
like passively was true. And so, uh, but the evidence that I was saved was starting to wane. Like I wasn't living as, as I should, because I had reduced being saved down to a, a state of being, not, not my life. A good example of this is, uh, as a pastor, I will say, one of the things that keeps people away from church Mm -hmm. is that kind of thinking. Well, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I've got that covered. I know that Jesus died and rose for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that. I know he forgives me, you know. So because I know that, I've got it. I, why do I need to go to church? I, I kind of... That's right. I mean, not right. And that is how right. the thinking goes, and I did have that problem. Um, which, which, first of all, one, one, there. that's why there's a commandment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, there is a command to hear God's word, mm-hmm. gather together. Yeah, forsake not the gathering. Yeah. Right. And it reduces everything to, uh, you know, what what it's saying is, I, I was born again. Yeah. And that that's without understanding the continual. Exactly. Being born again. Mm-hmm. But I think that is one of the biggest reasons why people uh, kind of grow uh, uh, in a way that's, well, I don't, of not attending church. Right. You know, someone could be not in church in 10 years and think, well, I, I know that Jesus died for my sins. You know, it's like I have that that one fact down, and that's... Right. So if you, if you take all of this in consideration with John three sixteen, there's a little more oomph behind that, right? About the working of the Holy Spirit. And uh, being born again isn't just, okay, that happened... But to be born again means it's more of a continual relationship, or not a relationship, a continual. Yeah. Let's go, let's go. There you go. <laughs> Con- All right. Continuum. So, um, what it is, it is something being born again that is central to the Word of God. That is what f- informs us in all of this. And the reason why I say that is, if you're born again is a feeling-based thing, mm-hmm. it is the word of God that informs what is actually true, what is actually sin, what is actually repentance, what is forgiveness, what is salvation. And uh, it's not based on feeling, but on truth. Right. Um, just like when we, talk, we talked about Pentecost. It's not, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit very often, and the feeling talks about the Holy Spirit and life, the Holy Spirit, and truth. Right. And even the Holy Spirit in water. Right. It comes up a lot. What it could be. When I talk about this last part, what it can be, okay, um, the first is uh, what it can be and on a negative side of things. Okay. Okay. I would say um, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, especially in the Lutheran church, this type of thinking was very, very attractive, this reborn thinking to many of our Lutheran folks who this became an opportunity to, to kind of step away from the Lutheran church hmm. because, um, and I, I think it comes from a misunderstanding or a de-emphasis on the sacraments, and I'll explain that. Okay. Um, there was a generation, I think, who, who when they went to their Lutheran church, it seemed like kind of in their minds, not in my mind, but in the, in the way they thought about it, 
uh, kind of just cold doctrine related. You know your catechism, you know this, you know that, you're confirmed. Uh, you know, you talk about truth and standing up for the truth, and it, it, it all seemed to be uh, an arm's length away. Right. Where it's kind of like, uh, I would describe it as um, uh, when, when, when uh, someone would complain, well, I grew up and not once did my father ever say I love you. <laughs> okay. Where to my, in their minds, that's kind of how the church was. Hmm. where it's all about doctrine, what is right and what is wrong, what is sin, what is forgiveness, and it all seemed to them like a, an equation. Hmm. And uh, they would see people who were Lutheran who maybe, uh, one, maybe misunderstood what faith is and use it as just a formula without actually repenting of their sins. Hmm. And in the desire to kind of match all of this in their own minds, they would come across born-again Christians who were excited about their faith and excited to tell the world about Jesus and took their sins seriously and they really wrestled with it. And there was a like an inner turmoil and an inner wrestling that they saw that was completely not seeing in their understanding of the Lutheran Church. Right. And because it was also then maybe at the time a little bit of a de-emphasis on the sacraments, at least compared to today's standards in the Missouri Synod particularly, hmm. that... It would drive people, okay, I've got these feelings of, I don't know, I've got these feelings, God seems distant and, and in certain ways, and I meet my friends who are all about their personal relationship and being cr- close to God and all those things, and it makes my Lutheran thing seem like either less genuine or less spirit-filled. Right. And I think right. I think that was very, very attractive to, to many Lutherans particularly on the, the time period that I'm, I'm giving. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the 60s and the 70s, uh, where that was more of an emphasis and, you know, personal relationships. And I think this whole being born again then was very, very attractive to many people who viewed the Lutheran Church in a certain way. And the reason why I say the sacraments play a role in this is if there is an understanding if you don't have an understanding of the sacraments, that this is Christ's body and blood given for me uh, for the forgiveness of my sins, and there's no preparation for that where you are, uh, you know, repenting of your sins and you're going through as before you go to the Lord's Supper and really internalizing, using God's law as a mirror. Yeah. And uh, it's just, you take that out and it's just a cold formula without any thinking or conscious behavior of 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 uh, what what actually repentance is, and then the connection of this is truly Christ's body and blood given, and I am receiving the body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing more intimate than Jesus giving you his body to eat, his blood to drink. Because that is de-emphasized, there is going to be a search and a longing to find that somewhere else, right. and the natural place would be to find it where people rejoice and be bored again, who had all these... these uh, emotional contacts with others and were excited and on fire for the gospel, which seemed very attractive when compared to, uh, in their minds, the coldness of the liturgy right. or the work of the church or a pastor who didn't talk about our feelings or... I mean, it was essentially 20th century pietism. And certainly the first time I encountered Lutheranism in the 1980s when I was a teenager and a Pentecostal, it struck me as all the things that you just said from an outsider's perspective, it looked like a dead spirit less 
church service to me. And I said as much to the woman who's now my mother-in-law. <laughs> like I didn't know that was going to happen right. at the time, or I might not have said that. But, um, but that's what it did look like to me. So, so apparently, from what you're saying, from some people inside the Lutheran Church, they were looking out towards Pentecostals and Baptists and and other uh, right. other people that were emphasizing the feelings and the and the born again experience, and they were finding some appeal to that. Right. Interesting. And so I feel like I'm talking history in my old age now, right? <laughs> yeah. And so because of that, I would say then there was a reaction in the Lutheran Church to answer that. We need to meet this. This is mm. an issue that we have that we have to try and fix or solve. And in their minds, well, let's answer it by meeting those needs mm. that the people have. So let's include more feeling. Let's yeah. include more things that that we can hold on to our well, we are as Lutherans, but just, you know, make it in a way that appeals to them. Okay. Like a populist movement almost. Right. And uh, I would say bored out of that was uh, the contemporary worship stuff yep. in its early beginnings, which is morphed to, to in all sorts of ways, which I don't know if it if it is the same as it was when it first started. But I would say that was all part of it. We we want to address those yeah, and maybe people who had those leanings or felt those tug tuggings of of uh, the reborn and rebirth type stuff. Well, well, let's try and get some of this back into our own church mm-hmm. without leaving. Okay, and then the response to that was, well, as people learned, well, that's not the true answer here. Let's talk about, um, and I, this is what I think caused the resurgence of a of the sacraments and what we preach and what we talk about, because that is the true connection point that Jesus gave. Hmm. Um, Where you could say, uh, address it by saying, well, this is what Jesus gives you, and this is what he promised, and this is how you have hope, and there's certainly all the things that that you can latch onto, like uh, being, if you feel bored again, that you're going to latch onto that if that's your answer, well, how do I know I'm saved? Yeah. Uh, Whereas, the baptism answers that. And uh, the more you understand baptism, the more it's going to have that born-again reaction to right. love your neighbor. And uh, Martin Luther was very good of, of explaining the Lord's Supper. It changes you. It's hard to, to receive the Lord's Supper and not being charitable to others. Hmm. Um, because that has that effect, understanding what really is going on. Uh, Jesus bringing salvation to you in the Lord's Supper, forgiveness, just as he did in baptism, and that changing you. Hmm. So the problem never was the sacraments or baptism or confession absolution or the preaching of the word. I mean, it could have been the preaching of the word if the preaching wasn't good. (laughs) Could have been part of it. Right. But but, uh, people were left looking for answers Hmm. in those ways. And... um, I, I, if there are any pastors listening, if if they've kind of are my age or even a little older, or members who can kind of really kind of see how that kind of played out, it'd be kind of interesting. But I think this is why I kind of wanted to do this for this part is is and what it can be is mm-hmm. is this I believe proved to be uh, very influential in the Lutheran Church and probably influential in a lot of people in that generation, leaving the Lutheran Church in search for something more... Hmm. Emotional, experiential, 
looking like for the transformative part. Yeah. You know, where they, they think, well, I was just kind of, when I was a Lutheran, I was just kind of going through the motions until I was truly born again hmm. type of a thing. That that had that has happened a lot. And it still happens some to this degree this day. Today. Yeah. But I would say there was a time that that was a really big thing. Mm. And you can understand in the sense, like, you kind of were that way. You went the other direction. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah, I did. I mean, because I, I, well, I just was convinced that the Bible's the Word of God. The Holy Spirit worked that in me to where I was utterly convinced that the Bible was the Word of God. And then... Um, so that was certainly part of my journey into Lutheranism is because when I encountered an, uh, a church body that took that very seriously, then uh, then then that had a, gr- a great appeal to me. And, and I like to say this, I hope everybody's giddily happy every time they go to church. I hope that their life is full of joy at all times, uh, but your salvation doesn't, you know, isn't based on that. And I've had a lot of happiness in my life. You know, maybe more than my fair share. I'm a pretty happy guy, but my salvation's not based on that, right? You know, and um, I, I, what a relief to me. The, the, the kind of the the biggest, the, the the easiest comparison that explains what we're talking about here, I would say, would be marriage. Yeah, marriage. <laughs> it's what brings us together today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and and that is is uh. So if you've been married for a long time, right? Uh, sometimes marriages will you hear this where well, well we fell out of love, yeah, or we just not didn't have that yeah. that fire that we once had when we were first married, and uh, you know I feel like our relationship needs to be born again mm-hmm. so that we have which, which uh, but you talk to someone who's been married for sixty years and it's it's so much deeper than that fire of emotion that you have when it, yeah. a relationship starts out. Yeah. And uh, um, where marriage is is based on a truth, you know, I made a vow. Yep. I'm with you. And, uh, um, and, and death is going to part us, nothing else. Yeah. And uh, from it's more of a foundational understanding of of what God has done and creates in marriage, rather than that emotion. A, a good way to describe this is, um, you know, uh, you hear someone say, uh, "I've fallen out of love, love with someone," right? Yeah, right. And uh, how often would you ever hear a parent say, "I've fallen out of love with my kid"? Yeah. <laughs> Right. I guess I'll just leave then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know what I mean? Where you, all, you just all of a sudden, and they'll and someone will say, "Well, I, why? I, I could. I will always love my child, no matter what." Yep. Right. Well, but then for your spouse, mm-hmm. well, well, that's my son. Well, that's your wife. Yeah. Well, that's your husband. It's literally the same. In fact, uh, a child is a product of the two becoming yeah, one, one flesh. flesh. Yep. That is bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. So, so um, it is the truths of what marriage is, and the bedrock of what God created in it, that that makes for what marriage is and understood, not the 
the born again feeling, and I'm not saying feelings don't matter and are right. important, no, right? They, they can be very the, good. They're the, the feelings certainly are there, but they're not the basis of, they're not right. the description of. That's right. It's not the essence. Right. <laughs> and you see this when people write their own vows, mm. right? The vows are faithfulness, love and cherish you, in sickness and in health. It's all that kind of thing. And when they write it, it's all, you know, I promise to, to always enjoy the sunsets with you. <laughs> to cook your favorite Belgian waffles. Right. Or whatever, and, you know? <laughs> and I will always appreciate and remember and and we're going to have so much fun and I'll always make you feel special. All the things that fun, marriage really uh, is it. Yeah, fun. That, that's right. a big one. Right. And And so you equate that back to how we understand faith. Okay. Well... Why did you stop going? Well, I didn't feel like I was being fed. <laughs> it was just this cold thing that I did. Yeah. And you know, it's almost like the same type of language used. Hmm, it's interesting. So the other way strikes me too, like, well, we already are married. That's just our state of being. We're just married. We're not doing anything about it. We're just the status right. of being, it's like the Calvinist right. version we, of being Yeah, we were married, yeah, and, we so, were. and so and so there's done. no actually understanding <laughs> that this is a continued process of yeah. love. and Yeah, sacrifice, really. Yeah. Right. Right. So, all right, uh, uh, I've got some work to do. Peter's got to drive to... Mm, that's right. ...going back to Kansas. <laughs> so... Hopefully I didn't sound old today. <laughs> oh, you always sound old, don't you? Big okay. difference. <laughs> All right. You clocked so. over to Pentecost. So. <laughs> yep. 50. All right. Right on. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. Uh, am I supposed to say I'm Peter since I'm here? Yeah, I'm Peter. <laughs> thank you for listening. And may you feel born again at all times. Not. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.